Welcome back, everybody, to the Drink and Learn podcast. I am drinks historian Elizabeth Pierce. And I'm bartender Abigail Gallo. And today we are going to talk about um, not a spirit mm-hmm. and not a cocktail, but a phenomenon. 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 That could be like a total Sesame Street thing where they teach you a word phenomenon. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I wanted to talk about dry January because it's a thing. Um, but also dry January has been around long enough that it has um, backlash mm-hmm. and it also has options. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. So for those of you that don't know, dry January is something that started in the UK in 2013. And it came out of, um, a, I think, allegedly like one person, but then it, turned into a nonprofit that is now hooked up with the like UK public health. And it's meant to have you think about your drinking Uh, because presumably you've been doing a lot of it during the holiday season, perhaps unthinkingly, or for some of us, we were doing it quite intentionally, uh, whether it's uh, managing family or work or, you know, that <laughs> Linda in accounting that you just can't stand, but you're at that holiday party and you got to be polite. It's like, well, yes, I will have another totally mediocre Chardonnay <laughs> while I grip my teeth and talk to Linda. Um, and just so you know, I, I don't have, I don't work in an account. Like there is no Linda. Okay. It's a hypothetical. We're, not, we're Im- imagining throwing, her. Yeah. I'm not throwing Linda under the bus. Um, so dry January is where people decide that they're not going to drink for 31 days. And now you can like sign up and sign a pledge, which has an awful lot like leading up to prohibition when people would sign the pledge. Um, And there's an app and there's all kinds of stuff. And there's like advice about dry, about how to not drink alcohol. So not drinking alcohol. All right. So that's dry January. And then we're going to move on to the other stuff, but I want to ask you, Abigail, mm-hmm. is this a thing that um, that you've encountered in uh, over the last couple of years that you've seen people coming in and asking for more non-alcoholic stuff in January? Uh, I don't know if I've noticed it more in January, especially because the last time I bartended in January was in New Orleans, and that's not a thing that people do going into carnival season, deciding they're going to give up drinking for a whole month. I mean, it's carnival season. That's just not a thing. Uh, I have noticed it through the social medias um, with uh, my um, fellow industry mates. Um, a lot of them do it. And um, I, I, I'm i kind of, in. I'm a little indifferent or verging on I don't like it because there's so much in our industry we struggle to teach people about moderation and the whole reason why I do craft cocktails is because I want people to drink better and drink less um that drinking is not just to get drunk right drinking just to drinking just to get drunk is like having sex just to get pregnant let's enjoy it a little more so that leads us to reactions to dry January. So uh, let, let me go back just a little bit. And um, with dry, the emergence of dry January, there have been a lot, lots of articles about the benefits of stopping drinking, even just for a month. And that can include, 
you know, being kind to your liver, giving your liver a break. Allegedly, your skin looks better. You don't wake up hungover and you're able to like go be productive or do all the things that you want to do. But to me, waking up hungover implies that you had too much already. That you are not. Sets, in, yeah. That you yeah, are so not which in sets, control of moderation. Which sets you up for an either or, right? Mm-hmm. It's either you are drinking too much and then you have a, a hangover or you aren't drinking at all and you wake up and you leap out of bed at 5.30 like, and it's like snow <laughs> white and the birds, day. <laughs> the birds come and like land on your finger and oh, 10K before you shower. <laughs> and yes, let me let me also add I'm 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 not being at all snooty about people who who don't drink uh, or anyone who orders a non-alcoholic cocktail. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, my issue is with the idea of dry January because it implies that there is binging and then fasting. And um, and that's what I'm against. I'm not against people deciding not to drink at all. I love making non-alcoholic cocktails. So a response to dry January. Uh, well, there have been several and they've come from different quarters. The first is from people in the medical profession who have asserted that if you actually want to really think about your drinking or have it be more considered, more thoughtful, more intentional, that stopping it completely is is then you're not engaging with it at all, right? Mm-hmm. Then you're just like cutting it out. And so for me, when I heard about dry January, I thought like that sounds terrible because all I would be doing is white knuckling my way through 31 days and mm-hmm. thinking about it all the time of this thing that you're not doing. It's kind of like, you know, don't think about a polar bear and then everything's about the polar bear. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought that I created this term on my own damp January, which got a lot of laughs in New Orleans. Um, But to my surprise in doing research for this episode, damp January already existed in the UK all the way back to 2016. So, but clearly I was tapping into a zeitgeist. And and damp January, I think you kind of get to define it. For me, um, I really wanted to... um, expand my drinking and get out of like, you know me, my default is why, yes, I will have another Manhattan. Um, But I thought there's a a whole buffet of digestifs and Amaro's and low proof, all kinds of stuff that I've been learning more and more about partially from being friends with you, um, even though I'm still not on the sherry train, but like all the other stuff, well, except for PX, that's different. Um, and so I thought, well, what if I only ordered those kinds of drinks for a month and tried to limit myself to, you know, one, maybe max two, which I know, just so you know, like definitions of alcohol, like ladies are only supposed to have one drink at a time, like at a time in a day. <sighs> Um, but it, it, I learned like actual names of low proof cocktails and, uh, I found bartenders were really excited or delighted to either pull out the thing that they already knew about or come up with something or even, 
Um, at Bud Rips, they dug around the back of a cabinet that clearly hadn't been opened since like the bar had been renovated. And there were lots of dusty bottles of, you know, it's like, oh, I wonder what this does. I wonder what this tastes like. <laughs> and so it for that was what it was for me. Um, and but it also did what I think is, is this idea is meant to do, which is like it makes you focus on the thing and think about it. Um, and so I asked you if you're getting asked for mocktails, but what about uh, what's happening as far as like low proof in the in both your experience and then in the industry? Mm -hmm. uh, I think there's still um, there's still a great deal of interest in in low proof. Uh, I I really enjoy using low alcohol cocktails in a restaurant setting because a lot of those fortified wines are created to go with food. And um, if, you, if you have too much proof in a cocktail, it could be a bit of a palate bomb. And I want mm -hmm. people to still really enjoy their food as much as their cocktails. And I also want people to drink more of them. And mm -hmm. from a um, price perspective as well, um, low alcohol cocktails can also be a little easier on everyone's budget. Mm -hmm. uh, I I think, but I see movements that go both ways. There tends to be a lot of like back and forth between high proof spirits and um, low alcohol cocktails. I, I don't really advertise when I have like low alcohol cocktails on the menu. I think they're all just really, really delicious. And I love that people feel good, have like three or four of my cocktails and feel good the next day. I don't want people to to wake up the next day and go, oh, I had too many of those cocktails and I feel terrible. I'm not going to go back to that place. <laughs> Why don't you advertise them? Um, because there's, I don't think there's a big of demand for it. No mm. one comes in and says, I need something low alcohol. But, no, well, no one, you know, you get the occasional people who say, make it strong, in which case I ask them mm. if they want to double. But... Um, but the the people just want to enjoy a nice cocktail, and I don't think they can really tell the difference between, you know, a regular strength cocktail and a low proof cocktail. Yeah, except that if maybe you, they can drink more of them. Yeah, because if you know if you know it is, then you can, or then you can, like you said, you can have more, knowing that you won't feel so bad, mm -hmm. um, or you or, or whatever. Um, but I also think like this is this is a thing that, you know, it's bartenders that taught the public about, well, here's what a real old fashioned tastes like, or this is what, this is why rye is important. You know, mm -hmm. like, like we learned about craft cocktails from folks who are opening these bars and saying, let me, let me show, let me share with you, let me share with you this, uh, all this information about this product that you probably didn't know about because you're just used to having a mudslide or a Long Island iced tea, you know, or like whatever we were drinking in the nineties. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that that's something that bars could also start promoting or offering or saying, like, I think, I think there like, are a lot like, of people that don't know, that don't know this is a thing you can order or that this is even an option. Cocktail. Yeah. You know? Well, there's definitely a, there's been a demand for like having a, a like mocktail section 
a, a right. non-alcoholic, there's definitely a, a call for that. And still a couple either- of my bars here, we've created some beautiful non-alcoholic cocktails and that we have on a list for people. But that's still either or. Like, I still think this is a, like, because to me, I when, I when I've been reading about Damp January, Damp January for most people is about numbers. It's like, I'm only going to have three drinks a week instead mm-hmm. of six, you know, or something like that. But it can be six but, drinks a week if you're drinking an Adonis instead of a Manhattan. Right. But it tastes, I think it's think, very similar. But I think most people don't know, like they don't uh, realize that, that like for me, damp, my damp January was not about quantity. It was about shifting the ingredients and shifting well, that's why ordering. a lot of people shift to wine or beer. They'll have one or right. two cocktails and then they go to wine or beer. Right. Um, but anyway, for, for those and of you out there. And that's when I'll there, bring it up. That's when I'll bring it up. When they when they say, oh, I want another cocktail, but I feel like I could shift to wine or I should shift to wine or beer. And then I'll say, mm-hmm. how about a low alcohol cocktail? And then I explain it to them that, yes, there are cocktails made with wines and fortified wines that are just as delicious and have about the same alcohol content as a as strong a IPA or a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. So um, for those of you listening, if you uh, are a member of the Drink and Learn Revelers, or if you're not, there's a Facebook page called the Drink and Learn Revelers, and you should join it. Um, I would really like to hear if you, if this is a thing that you knew about, um, or or it's something that's new, this idea of low proof drinking, and that that can be a a, a way of moderating your drinking during January, absolutely, um, as a as opposed to only like counting drinks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the third January with, and this is like, okay, so we have dry January. And now there's tri-annuary. Tri-annuary? What are you trying? You're trying some new places. So the way that this got framed is it was not quite a backlash, but it was a response by pub owners in the UK who were like, January is already a hard month. Because people have been, they've been spending money, right? So mm-hmm. you like spend your money through the holidays. And plus, maybe you've had a, you've been eating and drinking a lot and you just want to like, I don't know, have salad and detox or whatever. Um, and so you, but you still want your pubs to be open, like come March when you're up for going out again. And if you are not um, patronizing, if you aren't patronizing these places, then how are they going to stay open? And so it's this big encouragement to go to some pubs, perhaps one you've never been to, but you've been meaning to try and <laughs> spend some money. And they're very adamant that you do not have to drink while you're there, or rather you do not have to drink alcohol. There are other options, or you can pop in for a meal. Um, and so they're framing it. It and I think it's really interesting because it's kind of twofold. One is we need to stay open, help us stay open. Mm-hmm. And the second is don't look at the pub as just this place where you go to drink alcohol. It's so much more. Yes. <laughs> uh, which I yes. which it is, which we believe in. But yeah. but I want you to I, I wanted to ask you 
the two parts, part one. Okay, so again, you've been working in New Orleans, and New Orleans is like the outlier. And January, for those folks that don't know, carnival season starts January 6th, and it just continues. And there's basically parties until Ash Wednesday. Um, so we aren't really abstaining during that time. Um, but you also worked at a hotel where you had people coming from all over the country or the world and you're in that, you're in that zone now. Mm -hmm. Do you have, um, folks like, like, do you, sorry, do you see a drop off in attendance? Attendance? Should we call it that? It's like school. It's like <laughs> I decided to go to school, not to go to the pub today. Yeah, but like, do you see a drop off in uh, numbers from in, in January? And can you think back to when you worked in New York too? Oh, probably. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's it's just a. It, it tends to be a little bit of a in, in in these parts of the country. It's a little bit of a dreary time. A little bit of letdown after the holidays. But mm -hmm. come on, sometimes also, um, uh, it's really, uh, it's really a great time to go out and and cozy up in a pub somewhere and meet your neighbors and commiserate on how dreary it can be. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's a fireplace. Maybe oh, there's a hot yeah. a hot drink. Yeah, do you, well, still I, have any, what... do you still have any hot drinks on the menu? Oh my gosh, so many hot drinks on the menu. Uh, hot buttered rums, Irish coffees. Uh, uh, we did Tom and Jerry's over the holiday. Mm -hmm. um, I have a bartender who loves to do Spanish coffees and set stuff on fire. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and, and up here we all have fireplaces. I don't have an air conditioner, but I have a fireplace. So. Sure. <laughs> and in your in your bar as well, is there a fireplace? Oh, no. But that's why I used to love, on days like these, I loved going to Bar Tonique. And cozying up in front of their fire and getting a right. toddy or a whiskey yeah. skin. Yeah. Um, so I think that, like, I, I read that and I thought that it was interesting. Um, an interesting angle for the, like, United Pub Owners of Great Britain, uh, mm -hmm. an organization. And it's an organization I just made up. Uh, but to combat it as, like, hey, you can go. You don't have to order an alcoholic drink. Or, like go and get some dinner or or whatever but recognize that you not spending money like has an impact on on the pub whatever but mm -hmm. then the second half is like treated as a place of community a place and of community which we have always been big advocates of in our in our bars and in our talks and we love we love our bar communities um but i think you know, the, in them saying this, look at this, look at the bar, look at the saloon as this third place, just something mm -hmm. you and I've talked about a lot. But that can be challenging if you aren't drinking mm -hmm. and there aren't a lot of options. Or frankly, if you aren't drinking and then you just get around people who are drinking, uh, maybe even a lot. Yeah. Like I think yeah. that it's kind of, it's sort of boring or annoying or whatever. Well, here in Washington, we have legal weed. That could help. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm doing tri-January. I'm not drinking. I'm only smoking a lot of pot. 
<laughs> so something that ha- I have been seeing is these pop-up, both pop-ups and apparently a couple of places that are like all the time permanent are non-alcoholic bars. So there's, there's non-alcoholic pop-ups. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, here at- uh, We have non-alcoholic bars. They're called coffee houses, tea houses. <sighs> No, but you know, like if you your mocktail, yeah. whatever yeah. you're doing, like that is not at the Starbucks or whatever. Like you have way more ingredients to we play do, with. And not enough bartenders do do that. I find that most bars you go to order a mocktail, even a nice fancy cocktail bar, and they'll it's give you cranberry and soda. Oh my Ugh. gosh. Sprite and put in some citrus and sugar and fizzy water and call it a day. And it's, it's so sweet, sweet. sweet unimaginative it's sweet and it's sour and you can't have again (laughs) you're going back to you can't have more than like one or two i want people to drink lots to drink like three or four you know yeah so i could try to mix it up with some interesting things and luckily there's some products on the menu on the there are some products on the market now that are kind of catering to that Okay, like what? And are they available for the home uh, bartender? They even though they, even though the whole like half of the point of this is like, don't just drink at home. <laughs> go go yeah. to a bar, keep them open. Yeah. But um, well, yeah, I, like, like, what I, well, I do like using? to use. I do like to use a lot of uh, tea, and mm-hmm. we have this beautiful tea maker um, Smith here, uh, based in Portland, and we have some keg teas. I have nitro chai on uh, mm-hmm. tap, and I also yeah. have a strawberry rubio. Rubio's Honeybush Tea that mm-hmm. is um, a sparkling tea that is gorgeous. And I sell that just as is, but I also tend to incorporate those when I get called for um, mocktails. I love doing green tea uh, mojitos are mm-hmm. lovely Ooh. with like a nice green yeah. tea base, you know, that yeah. is that is really minty and refreshing. Um, I like... And, uh, and, and let me say about all of these things... Whenever I have asked for a non-alcoholic drink, the thing that is almost always missing is the bitter. The bitter. And that's mm-hmm. and that is present. Well, that all of those, right? But all of like I, tea is bringing that complete. Not only complexity, tea bring the tannins like and the bitters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There is. Um, I, you, I, I'm careful about using actual bitters. In mocktails, mm-hmm. because if someone is really a you know and um, doesn't drink any alcohol, technically yeah. there is alcohol and bitters. If it, even if it is by the dash, um, unless you're using, I think fees, brother. Yeah, I think fees, fees, so, um, uh, fees not is safe. Glycerin. So, glycerin. Yeah. So, but there are other forms of bitter as well, and uh, they exist in Italy. I'm sure you know something like a mm-hmm. sand bitter, which is kind of like a uh, fizzy non-alcoholic Campari that's got I don't, a little I have never heard of that. Oh, it's so good. And there's this little restaurant, a little Italian restaurant, Vito's, near my house that has sand bitter on their non-alcoholic menu, and it's so tasty. And we also, at one of our properties, uh, Hearth, we use um, sand bitter along with um, a non-alcoholic vermouth that we found. What? Uh, and wait, 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 wait. I know. <laughs> wait, who's doing that? And how do you I, make non-alcoholic vermouth? Again, this is kind of. I think this is coming um, imported through Europe. But um, but so I, what's, I, the na- what's the name of it? Do you remember? Now I have to look it up. Blue. I want to okay. say blue toe. 
That sounds um, like something you don't want to have. That sounds like gangrene. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. Blue tool. B-L-U-T-U-L. Rosso Vermouth. Non-alcoholic. It's actually on Amazon. How much is it? Not currently available right now. Of course. So I can't but tell. But like... No, but maybe somebody could get it. There is like, also also on Amazon, you could buy Ritual Gin Alternative, which is a zero-proof non-alcoholic gin. Mm-hmm. Um, Ritual Whiskey, which is a zero-proof non-alcoholic whiskey. Um, so those of you who are listening, because podcasts have no video, well, some of them do, but okay, we don't. You cannot see Abigail's face right now. Ooh, but let me assure I, you that it is not... I, I can't, she doesn't. I, she doesn't look pleased to hear about non-alcoholic whiskey. I cannot. I cannot vouch for this because I haven't tasted it. Uh, what I have tasted is there's a product called Seedlip. Uh, yes, distilled non-alcoholic spirits. A lot of people have heard of it. They have a couple of flavors. Um, they're really good. They're a little hard to find, but they're really delicious. And but the problem is, for me as a bar owner, is that they're just as expensive as alcohol. A bottle yeah. of seed lip costs about the same as a you know premium bottle of vodka or something. So, um, so I have to charge a lot for if I use it. I have to charge a lot for a mocktail. Um, so the, so I've been so, reading about the people who have been opening these mocktail bars, pop up or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And the thing that the the writer keeps harping on, not there. I don't mean there's one writer. Like there's multiple articles. Go ahead and Google them. But the thing that is always a big focus is and even though they're not alcoholic they're like 14 or 15 dollars yeah. and the bar the bartender responds actually making non making really great non-alcoholic drinks is as as hard or even harder because we are having to like do all these infusions and mm-hmm. if if they're not in alcohol they can spoil more quickly and so exactly. we have to use them you know and blah 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 blah, blah, blah. so um I think that that's, but but if if you're trying to do this like for your health or whatever, like this is again where it's like, oh, alcohol is worth more than this thing that isn't alcoholic. Like it's like, oh, okay, I'll pay, I'll pay fifteen dollars for the thing that has whiskey in it that is delicious. Yeah, but if it doesn't have whiskey in it and it's still delicious, I only want to pay seven dollars. Yeah, because and yeah. because we have been taught that like, oh, alcohol costs you know, so much or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I So I have wanted to try seed lip because I was curious about it. And I know there's more than one. Do you have a favorite or are they all kind of the same level, um, same level of happiness? Same level of happiness depends on what you're trying to create. Our, our instead of a, a Negroni, it's a Negroni mm. that uses the, <laughs> uh, the vermouth. The uh, sand bitter and the seed lip spice, and okay. it's really, really pretty. I like. I drink it down. I have to drive home after it, and it's so nice to enjoy this beautiful non-alcoholic Negroni before I yeah. before I go home. Yeah. So I I really like it. Sand, you could buy sand bitter on Amazon too. Uh, it's 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 really really good. I, whenever I used to go to Europe, I used to smuggle um, bottles of it back. But so uh, 
But you um, could find it like at specialty specialty stores. If you have a supermarket that has a international section, you might find sand bitter there. And I would definitely recommend trying it. They have um, they have like Spell- a non alcoholic version. S a n b i t t e r. Okay, just like it sounds. Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, you could always go out. the old-fashioned route. I, you know, my grandfather had a vineyard. He grew grapes for Welch's grape juice. He was one of those family farms. So those that sparkling Welch's grape juice was always my favorite as a kid, and I felt super fancy drinking it. Yeah. <laughs> Abigail, did you go back and listen to when I interviewed the guy who wrote the book um, White Bread Protestants and we talked about the history like of communion in America mm. and how during Prohibition, one of the things that enabled Prohibition to happen was, well, number one, they had to figure out that when, uh, or they had to assert that in the Bible when... Uh, Christ was talking about the fruit of the vine that he meant unfermented grape juice. And like that, that was okay. <laughs> uh, but the second thing is that they had to learn how to ship grape juice all over the country because it would spoil unless you fermented it, right? Like this is mm-hmm. a way to preserve food. And so Mr. Welch figures that out. And that is how Welch's makes all the money um, and turns into a giant empire. By shipping grape juice to churches? Yes. To Catholic yes. churches specifically? No, 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 not to Catholic because the Catholics kept drinking. It's the Protestants that um, that end up, you know, creating prohibition. Oh. The Catholics never quit drinking. Oh, I didn't know that. The, yeah, so the Protestants have to, fi- have to um, they, they're like, actually, Christ didn't drink alcohol he drank grape juice, and now we can too. Thanks, Mr. Welch. I don't. And if you I don't go think to, so, but. but if you go to the wait, you don't think so? Well, oh, about Christ and yeah. yeah, no, no, no. We're not getting into theological. <laughs> I'm just telling you that this is this is the argument that they made. Mm-hmm. But if you go to the Welch's grape juice website, there is like very little about of theology. I'll just say there's there's like almost no theology <laughs> on Welch's, but that's how uh that's how they, it became so popular cuz he figured out a way to I guess it. pastor pasteurize it or whatever so that it could be transported across the country. Do you So know- yeah, folks, that's an option for you, the non-alcoholic and yep. you'll be uh, uh embodying the spirit of the temperance movement. How perfect cuz it's 2020, <laughs> 100 years after prohibition started. Years. Do you know why uh, and where the majority of tomato juice goes besides Bloody Marys? Um, n- no. Where does it go? Into little cans in the sky. Like tomato oh. juice on the ground, people are like, nah, it's okay. Some people crave it. But many, many people, when they fly, drink tomato juice when they fly. And that's because... <laughs> The altitude taste Mm -hmm. changes your taste, and that kind of savory umami of tomato juice tastes better in the sky than it does on the ground. I did read that. (laughs) I read both tomato juice and ginger ale moves a lot, and the ginger ale because not only because ginger is a nice strong flavor, but it also um, calms your tummy. Calms your tummy. Um, Oh, and speaking of fixing your tummy, another kind of movement I've seen in a lot of bars is having mm -hmm. a kombucha program. 
Right. And although kombucha, technically kombucha is alcoholic, right? It has trace. I have a I have a coworker of mine who is very severely allergic to alcohol to the oh. point where drinking a kombucha will make her tips, tipsy. Oh, okay. All right. So everybody keep that in mind. But like, what mm. do you think the proof is? Like two or three? Not two, even. percent? Not even. Not even. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So so here's all these options. And I, I think that um, it's funny because when I was getting ready for this episode and I just started kind of reading across the spectrum um, that it really, what really matters, and this is what the, the advice from the medical profession is why are you doing this? Like if you decide you want to do dry January or damp January or whatever, or try January mm-hmm. <laughs> and the pub people will be happy. It's like, do you want to learn, learn how to be more moderate? Do you want to like get out of your rut mm-hmm. and explore more drinks that you wouldn't have necessarily tried because they're lower proof and like they're not getting the publicity or the love, you know, or, or whatever. Um, and that that should inform, or do you think like you need to practice not drinking at all because eventually you, th- you think you don't need to drink, you know, or, or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. but I thought it was interesting to like, think about, and also think about who you are. Cause there, I know that there are people who do better with yes or no, all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Like it's like moderation is hard for them. For so, and, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, not even and just that's with okay. alcohol. You should like, you be- know who you are and how you are and what's yeah. best for you. But yeah, and some people you, like to test themselves, you know, endurance, right. like an endurance test. Um, but if that isn't you and you started dry January and now it's the middle of, you know, now we're not even to the 10th um, and you're already have all fallen off the wagon and then you feel bad because you're like, I don't have willpower, whatever. Mm. Like re- this is a good time to kind of reframe. And also it can reframe for the entire year where you're drinking more thoughtfully and widely instead of um, just sticking with like what you know, if especially if what you know is mostly high proof stuff. Mostly yes, hard indeed. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And if you are in Seattle and you haven't been to the Ben Paris Hotel, you should try it. Yeah, try it. Come and come try some of our teas or non-alcoholic drinks or or, you know, cocktails. And we have food too. And right. we have a beautiful lobby where you could read and be cozy and 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 meet your neighbors. See, it's all about community. So, um can you recommend well, I guess what I'd like you to do is can you recommend a couple of names of some famous-ish drinks that if someone went to a craft bar and they called them, that the bartender might know. Besides the Adonis, featured in the Fortified Wine episode. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Okay. So, I believe it is. Um, so if you want to hear Abigail make that and talk about it and advice to make it at home, that's in that's there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you mentioned the bamboo, which I learned about. I had never heard of the bamboo, and I drank that last year, and that was pretty good. And mm-hmm. so what's Technically, in- a Negroni is kind of low proof, and you can absolutely order your martinis 50-50 or even 
um, Julia Child used to drink them. She called them upside down martinis. So mm-hmm. they were three parts or five parts uh, vermouth to one part gin. So you just flip the ratio. Just flip the ratio. Manhattan too. Yeah, you do that with the Manhattan, 50-50 Manhattan. Yeah, I'll do that when, I'm, when I want to slow down. Yeah, I'll absolutely go 50-50. Um, the Americano, which is um, uh, instead of gin in a Negroni, uh, use seltzer water instead. And that's basically oh, an Americano, which actually I think predates the Negroni. It was yeah. Count Negroni who was drinking a lot of Americanos and wanted something stronger. So they added gin in mm-hmm. place of the fizzy water. Speaking of fizzy water, we discussed bubbles, right? No. Carbonation? Yeah. Yeah. Adding bubbles to anything makes them a little bit more fun. Like right now, I am just drinking my uh, my grape juice with a little bit of grape juice and a lot of seltzer water. And of course, right. you've got all those flavors now with LaCroix and all the flavored seltzer, which is all the rage, which of course led to the summer of White Claw this past wow. year. Again, we go, it goes back and forth. It goes back and forth. Pull it back. Oh, we need, oh, flavor, but, but no alcohol. Oh, it's really good, but let's throw some more alcohol in there. (laughs) Oh no, let's do it without alcohol. It goes back and forth. Okay. So, so you have the, the Adonis, the bamboo and Mm. Americano. Those are three things that somebody could call. Or an upside down martini. Yeah. And that's nothing. Yeah. If you want to do your Aperol spritz with. Um, instead of wine, just Aperol and, and soda. Yes. And that would be much lower proof. Aperol is like nothing, basically. Mm-hmm. A couple of ounces of that. Um, so I think these are all uh, things that I'll be drinking at least for the next 20-something days and perhaps also during Lent. Oh, um, what are the- When I went back to dry Lent, I mean damp Lent. <laughs> damp Lent. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. New Orleanians, we wait. We wait a little while for our New Year's resolutions. We wait till Mardi Gras day. Yeah. Um, or day so, after. So these are all some things you can order. Um, but I also, I'm totally going to order this um, sand bitters because oh, it's that sounds really great. Tasty. It's really, really good. I really like it just with soda. Italians don't export things unless they're delicious. That's true. It's like a That's requirement. True. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any vermouth or amaro with soda water uh, or tonic is very good um, to d- to drink. And and like the national drink of Argentina is basically um, fernet and Coca Cola. Mm-hmm. That's low alcohol. Yeah. So um, we would love to hear from y'all if you try any of our suggestions, or if you are doing a damp January or dry, or dry, and what you and what you've encountered in 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 this experience. Um, I will, in the show notes, put a list of the things that uh, have been suggested along with uh, reminders of what you can actually get on Amazon um, or that you can ask your local uh, booze purveyor to (laughs) order for you. Some of them you might be able to find in supermarkets because they're technically, they're not alcohol products, they're food products. So you might be able to find them in some unusual places. Yeah. Um, And if you are not a member of the Drink and Learn Revelers, you should totally join because we'll have other content there. And um, we really would appreciate it if you, number one, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, and to rate and review us 
um, because it helps people find us. If you want to ask us any questions, you can post that on the Revelers page, but you can also um, at me at Drink and Learn across all the socials. And if you want to reach out to Abigail, you can do so at at Abigail Gullo, G-U-L-L-O on Instagram and uh, at NYC Baby on the Twitter. Yeah. Which I've been getting back into Twitter lately. I'm very retro, feeling very retro. Right. The All the way back to 2006. Five. I joined in <laughs> 2000. I'm one of the first five million people no. to join Twitter. Um, no, I was just trying to think when it, when was everybody on Twitter? Like, yeah, like 2006 yeah. is when it all blew up. <laughs> anyway, uh, so... We hope you all have a wonderful, happy new year. Yes, very happy and healthy new year to everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I'm really looking forward to this year. It's going to be a banger. It is. Welcome back to the roaring. If We already had the roaring 20s. Can these be the raging 20s? Yeah, rouge your knees. <laughs> Bathtub gin. <laughs> Bring it all back. Drink that giggle juice, baby. <laughs> All right. Well, cheers, y'all. Cheers, y'all.